I think if you ask most people what's the most important day of the year for Christians, they'd probably answer Christmas. Well, Christmas is important. It's a festival time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, although we aren't exactly sure of the specific date. Um, But as I've been saying recently, that for me, the most important day, of course, is Easter Sunday. And I wish we could find a way to make that clear to the rest of the world. I heard a commentator on TV the other morning saying that Good Friday was the most important day on the Christian calendar. Yes, it too is important. But without Sunday, without this morning, none of the other days would matter. This is the moment, the moment, when both heaven and earth are changed forever. If it wasn't for the actions of Easter, nobody would ever bother celebrating Christmas. If Jesus hadn't rose from the dead, if he had been just another Jewish radical crucified by the Romans, and there were plenty of them, his birth, his death, or at least the celebration of his birth and death, would be pointless. But Easter... Easter Sunday is and should be our great celebration. You see, this morning is all about new creation. Just look at the language John uses. When Mary goes into the tomb, goes to the tomb, it's in darkness. She gets there and the stones rolled away. There is chaos. And as she runs back to tell Peter and John, more chaos as they run to the tomb. The tomb is empty. Confusion and chaos rules. To me, this sounds so much like the creation story in Genesis 1. A formless world, void, and darkness, chaos. When Mary enters the tomb through reddened sword and tear-filled eyes, she is stepping into the eighth day of creation, a new creation. Something new has taken place. When she eventually speaks to Jesus, something extraordinary has happened, not only to Jesus, but to the way the world is, the way God is, the way God and the disciples now are. Up until now, in John's Gospel, whenever Jesus spoke about God, it has been the Father, or the Father who sent me, or even my Father. Up until now, Jesus, when referring to his followers, he'd referred to them as disciples, servants, and friends. But now this is no longer the case. The world has changed. Things have changed. From now it is, go tell my brothers, I am going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Today on Easter Sunday, we should be able to look back at 6pm on that Friday and realise something more than a Jewish teacher died 
on a cross. Something changed. The world changed. And we have confirmation in the words that Jesus gives Mary. A new relationship has sprung to life. Jesus' words are welcoming the disciples into this new world. A world where they can know God the same as Jesus knew God. What it means is that the disciples will be the start of the true Israel. Exodus 4.22, Israel was to be God's firstborn sons. And as we know, Israel struggled to fulfil that vocation. Some weeks ago, I spoke about the parable of the prodigal son. I hope those of you that were here will remember the reference I made to the Jewish person would have, the story would have resonated with a Jewish person as the story of Israel still living in exile. Well, Jesus has broken through that exile. He has made a way back from exile, from death itself, the ultimate exile, a way back to the Father's house. And anyone, anyone who follows Jesus is welcome. They are welcome there as a beloved daughter or son. In our reading, I also like, I love the interaction between Mary and the angels. Uh, Jesus has just been crucified. And uh, she's now in the empty tomb. And I suspect any of us, I mean, standing in that moment, would have been full of tears. And the angel asks her, why are you crying? I've never met an angel, although I'd like to. Um, but it always surprises me that they seem to ask the blooming obvious. When they appear to people out of the blue and give them a fright, they always seem to ask, why are you afraid? And here, when Mary seems to have a perfectly good reason for tears... In a moment full of grief, they ask her, why are you crying? I don't know about angels. <laughs> I just don't get them. Well, we all know about grief, don't we? But listen to Mary. They have taken away my master. Today, we could add, they have taken away my spouse, my child, my home, my dignity. My rights, my hope, my life. Hear the words of the world's grief echoed in Mary's grief. But Mary finds her answer, although not at first. At first she doesn't recognise Jesus. She thinks he is a gardener. Well, I, I sort of think she's sort of right. As I've said, this is a new creation and Jesus is the new beginning of it. Jesus is the new Adam, the gardener which brings the chaos of the world into order, bringing it into fruitfulness. He has come to remove the weeds, the thistles, the thorns and replace them with fruitfulness. But 
just like Mary, who doesn't recognise Jesus. The world doesn't recognise Jesus today. He calls Mary by name, and there is almost sense that Jesus is saying to Mary, oh, come on, Mary, don't you recognise me? If he was Australian, that's what I reckon, that's what Jesus would say. Oh, come on, Mary. And of course, she knows him, and at the same time, she doesn't. He's the same, but different. He's alive with new life, a new sort of life. Jesus still calls out today. He calls us all by name. Our problem is that we have filled our life and our meaning with so much other stuff that we can't hear his voice. Just as Mary finds the answer to her grief, we find the answer to ours in the resurrection of Jesus. Well, from here, Mary becomes the first apostle. In fact, she becomes the apostle to the apostles. An apostle is a witness to the resurrected Christ, sent by him to make disciples of all nations. So, Mary, the first eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus, is the first apostle. Jesus then sends her to the disciples who don't witness the resurrection until later. This fact is often overlooked by those that want to demean the role of women in ministry. Mary was the first apostle. Oh, and by the way, I've got to, put, I've got to say this, um, I cannot find anywhere in the Bible where Mary Magdalene is a prostitute. Yes, there are some women identified as prostitutes, but none of them are identified as Mary of Magdala. I think that we've probably accepted a bit too much of the story from Jesus Christ Superstar, the show, than the facts of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the Bible. Putting that aside, it is still really odd, very odd. You see, women had very little status in first century um, Middle East. In that culture, they weren't, uh, they weren't seen as either creditworthy or reliable. And yet, Jesus entrusts the news of his resurrection to a woman, to Mary. I can assure you that in ancient Middle Eastern times, if somebody wanted to invent a story about Jesus, if they wanted to make up something, something creditable, they wouldn't have planned and scripted the starring role to a woman. Any statement, even an eyewitness statement, would be dismissed. Doubting Mary would have been easy. But this is the beauty of the story for me. It's what makes today even more reliable. It wasn't window-dressed. It wasn't tidied up. It wasn't stage-managed. This scene, as often is the case with Jesus, is simple in its truth and deep in its meaning. Well, Easter morning, we are faced with a very simple choice. Either we accept Mary's 
eyewitness account or we don't. Either Jesus rose from the dead or he didn't. Either we go on and celebrate East, uh, sorry, go on and celebrate Christmas or we don't. The world changed at 6 p.m. on Good Friday. And we know it because of what happened on Sunday. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen.